Welcome to the first episode of Life's Undertakings. I'm Brad Jones. And I'm Shannon Leahy. And we'd like to start off by uh, inviting you into our lives. Get an idea of what it's like. So imagine you walk into a bar or your local pub and you sit the, at the table next to an undertaker and a writer. A very attractive writer. Um, <laughs> I'm the mean. undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens next, Brad? The, the, the beginning of every great story. What happens next? The stories you hear. <laughs> the tales that are told. There you go. And this is where ultimately life's undertakings, also the name of Brad's syndicated column, which always makes him blush, but it's all true for the most part, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, the podcast has come from. I actually met Brad many, many years ago when dinosaurs roll, uh, roamed the earth because I was writing for newspapers and magazines. And Did you just call undertakers dinosaurs? <laughs> Uh, no, just the industry. <laughs> and uh, speaking of those dinosaurs, Brad actually was the only undertaker, otherwise known as a funeral director, of course, willing to speak to me. Well, we've also been called other things. We've been called morticians. We've been called underground furniture salesmen. Nice. Um, but undertakers and funeral directors are pretty much the most common word that were used. But yeah, we were, we was, we was, <laughs> we were the... Uh, <laughs> The meeting up with Shannon was uh, one of the only ones that would meet with her, from what she tells me. Um, you know what? I, I just thought it would be a great opportunity to get to meet somebody else, um, to get some ideas, and, and to hopefully explore some of my ideas. Well, that was, yes, in some of your ideas, I remember you told me that uh, they, were, they were original, they, they were uncommon, otherwise known as original, and that I wasn't going to meet many funeral directors like you, which I promptly didn't believe. And, I, I, and believe the, that was, I believe that was in one of the first meetings that we had, I yeah, told you that. Right. It, was a, it was a promise. So I, I thought I had just been barking up the wrong tree and wasn't charming enough or was it wasn't uh, really showing funeral directors what I wanted to do. I wanted to advocate for them. I was frustrated as a layperson that people were almost offended by death. They had a tremendous dislike, if not bordering on hatred of funeral directors. I remember funeral directors being described as well-dressed pirates. Well, I find it fascinating how you say you were, uh, you know, disappointed in the industry, but it, it goes with some of us in the industry. We've been disappointed with it. They do the same old, same old. Uh, they don't look for new ways to, to serve people or to, to speak to people or even to listen to people. And mm -hmm. I, think, uh, I think that was probably where our connection stemmed from, is we, we saw things a lot alike. Yeah, and, and then also differently too, because, I mean, I was coming from the media so I had already, and, and that, I too was hated. And that's what scares a lot of funeral directors <laughs> oh, absolutely. off. absolutely. You know, the underworld doesn't like the media because anytime no. the media gets a hold of us, it's always a bad story. We talk about that grandma's ring oh, that went missing and it is still attached to her finger, right? Or oh, the commission yes. salespeople at the corporations. Woo-wee! But what I like is when I sat down and, and uh, spoke to you and... That was my first introduction to to an excellent listener. Like, what a surprise to find out that a funeral director is a superb listener. And I can sleep with my eyes open. <laughs> and I was just about to say that Brad is kind of famous and notorious for not blinking. And as I spun my my vision, you know, what I saw as a 
a series of, of, of stories about funeral directors because I, in many ways, I won't say fell in love with the industry. I became fascinated by the industry because here you have people who are clearly doing a hard job, clearly doing a job that ultimately is a vocation. And I have a soft spot for anyone who's called, who, who lives uh, and works a purpose-led life. It's what the majority of us in the Western world are privileged enough to actually contemplate. And yet there's such a contrast to how people feel about funeral directors, that, that, that their mere existence is almost offensive when in fact what's going under, underneath that surface, and that's, that's the joys of, of, of writing, is to uncover, is it actually funeral directors that you're so distrusting of, or is it in fact what they deal in? I, and that's yeah, death. I, I, I uh, would definitely say it's what you deal in because it's, you know, it was right from college days when you became, a, you know, the funeral service program at uh, Humber College here in Toronto. Um, you were in the pub and you'd be talking to some people and they found out what you were doing. And there would be the some that would stand and talk to you for another hour. And there'd be others that would politely say, oh, nice to meet you and walk away as fast as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the death avoidance in our society that brings that out. I think it re- and it reminds me too of often when um, people who are police officers reveal themselves as police officers, which is rare. Uh, often police officers will say they work for the city because as soon as they show themselves to be law enforcement, some people get very, very weird very quickly. And I believe also with funeral directors and just me being uh, as an outsider on the periphery, I remember attending a public speaking uh, club because I have a shyness problem clearly <laughs> and, I, and I'm yeah, a ca- I've never noticed that <laughs> and, and, and I'm a cannibal so I like to and eat a cat lady. Sh- and, and, and I like to eat, <laughs> eat, eat shy people but I was amazed at how quickly my reputation changed from being a freelance writer to being a person who works in uh, death care and I when I started also speaking professionally I would often be introduced to my mortification, ooh, that's almost a pun, as someone who works in uh, funeral services, and yet I'm about to speak to a bunch of millennial marketers. Like, it did not help my cause at all. <laughs> no, it, it sure doesn't. <laughs> it's, it's amazing the number of times that I, uh, I get introduced to people in the community, and I don't really usually volunteer what I do. Um, I'm just Brad from Ridley's and you know, if people don't know what Ridley's is, I'm good with that. Cause um, they'll know soon enough. They'll know soon <laughs> enough. Exactly. <laughs> We're all terminal act accordingly. Uh, what, what I like too is it's been really fun to watch you evolve Brad because from being very, uh, low key, I mean, again, uh, and, and Brad is the real deal in terms of humility cause he doesn't just work at Ridley. He in fact is the the president of it and and owner is to actually have you reach a point of, I'm going to say it, this is like Irish self-confidence building, but for you to reach a point of, of frustration with not just internally with the industry, but also watching the miscommunicate, the misinformation out there. Oh, there's so much of it. And the growing, growing avoidance of death. And then also, of course, what we've known each other just over a decade, um, with the introduction and then the acceptance of, of direct cremation, otherwise known as let, let's get her done. 
no services, no nothing. Right. And then also to the um, onslaught, and I will say the onslaught of the celebration of life, where we are going to put a happy face on top of a sad face, a devastated face. Well, if we're happy, it didn't happen, right? Exactly. And then also my own personal experience of, of going to some of these celebrations of life at country clubs. And I will never forget, and I, I remember it really f- fueled me as well, because I, I, I felt angry. And what's, what feels better than grief or fear? Well, anger. Anger is very active. <laughs> and, um, but being at a country club and seeing at the bar, which oddly I, I was in front of, <laughs> and uh, there was a sign. <laughs> that, 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 should be a, that should be a cheers right now. Little cheers, <laughs> with, yes. With your wine there and you my go. scotch. Yes. Yes, Brad first started uh, speaking when we were testing, and he didn't have any scotch. And then he heard himself talking, and then and then off to the liquor cabinet he went. So he really is a writer. <laughs> but I remember being at that country club with this fabulous uh, happy place called an open bar. But the sign on the bar was not about um, tips or no tips. It was called a um, the bar was a a tear free zone. Yes. So you, not to, so you were not to cry. And I remember, I, I don't think I went and cried to you about it. I think I ranted to you about it. Because I then saw a, uh, about five grandkids between the ages of maybe a tween, like about uh, 11, some, about the age of your kids, actually, yep. about 11 to, let's say, 19. And they were huddled together behind a pillar and you could tell that they were upset, they were crying, but they were attempting to keep their tears in. And I actually look at ooh my, I actually feel that in my in my. Uh, well, those that emotions bothers me. That but, but those, that, those emotions are so they're yeah. so uh, they permeate through us, right? You know, mm-hmm. you you see somebody hurting, and they can't show you their their vulnerabilities. You know, they can't show you that they need that they need that help. And when people are kind of holding it in and hiding it, everyone just kind of steps away from them because that's right. You know, it's hard to to read what they want or what they need. Well, they and, need nothing, right? Because of that stiff upper lip. And part of it is, we think if we go over there and we show some emotion to them, it might break them. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the the classic: let me know if there's anything I can do. So then we're actually now approaching and, and the, the, the rant the, rate, the, the, the rant rage. It's like, yeah, so we're, the, the only time that we, we ever, ideas, the only time if a friend ever says to us, let me know if there's anything oh. I can do. The only time we ever call them is if they have a van or a truck and we're moving. <laughs> Otherwise, we as people hardly ever ask for help. That's right. Bring me a banana loaf. Right, go shovel my driveway, yes. mow my lawn. Yep. Uh, Drive me to the grocery me. store. Yeah. Just, just come show, over and listen to me cry yeah. and 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 rant and and, and do something and, and miss my 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 husband, my wife. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm I'm excited about is when you started writing uh, your column, life's undertaking, is number one. I was amazed, especially. I will say as a veteran writer, to have you receive praise from your editor, your publisher, which is totally unheard of because editors and publishers are busy people. They're often very jaded people. And here you had your publisher uh, thanking you for the article, receiving receiving letters from the community to your articles, and then also your invitation to have people um, call you 
Because I'm like yep. so many like writers, writers like yeah. In my byline, I don't put my phone number. <laughs> but, well, clearly, but what you do, and and to have people take the time to actually call you or to write you a note. Yeah, notes and emails. I've received letters, emails, and phone calls. And a lot of that is you showing yourself number one, not to be a weirdo. Right? Less <laughs> <laughs> uh, debatable and depends on who you ask. But yes, yes. My grandmother thought I was a weirdo when I went into becoming a funeral director, but that's another story. But that, but that's been some of the feedback too, is I, because I remember one of your intentions was you wanted to really show that you were more uh, similar than special. And I, and I also remember when I first met you, is that was part of, the the hook as we would we would say in journalism in writing is is what is it you actually want the audience your readership to feel think or do differently after after reading your piece well and i think life's undertaking for me became so much different than anything else i've ever read read by other funeral directors half the time the things i've read by other funeral directors are how to um improve your service, how to um, be a better funeral director, how to be more engaged in your community, all kinds of um, things that are self-serving to the, to the industry or to the person that it's, um, it's directed to. Um, life's undertakings, now, now I, I have to be honest, life's undertakings is part of me telling my story about my experiences in life, but in the funeral home too, and the funeral eye that I have. Um, I, cause being a, being an underground furniture salesman, being an undertaker, being the, uh, the local funeral director, you see life differently. Mm -hmm. Um, your relationships are more important. You, uh, you realize that, that life is pretty precious and pretty quick. Mm -hmm. I, I remember being taken aback because it's so like tip of your nose wisdom, like you can see my nose, but I can't see see my nose on my face. I know even with this nose, Brad, I know I have a you're, face, you're I have a face <laughs> built for podcasts. But what amazed me was one of the most popular articles you wrote that had the biggest uh, community uh, response uh, was uh, when you wrote about your mom and you, you with a sp specific focus on your mother's death. And what really amazed me about that, which actually I never sh shared with you directly, but why not do it when, when, when I have a mic? It's a shy, shyness problem I have, is that people, I, I, I thought when you showed me some of the letters and some of the, the emails were, were expressions of surprise almost that you had a, you'd had a mom <laughs> that well, I, I, know, I wasn't right? just found that you'd had that you'd had a, that you had a mom and that, that your mom had died like it was that really amazed me and then that you had that you had shared it but that's what I found quite fascinating and, and overwhelming is that as I like to say about storytelling one of the many reasons why I love storytelling and again I'm believe it's the most powerful technology on the planet and always has been and always will be is that the more personal the story the more universal the story so you talking about your mom and her her death and then also the the industry help you in fact had to call upon well it's it's amazing my, my mom she died it was uh 20 years ago this December 31st that just passed um but for my mom it was the same you know we knew the death was coming and 
being a funeral director, I tried to talk to my parents and tell them, you know, we need to talk about this. We need to think about this. And they, neither one of them wanted to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And when the death took place and I got the phone call and I rushed over to my, my family home and my mom was lying there dead. My dad looked at me, my sister looked at me and they said, okay, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. And it's, I was going through the same thing that they're going through. And the only thing I was able to do is to pick up the phone and call my friend and say, my mom's died. I need your help. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was a beautiful thing for me to be able to do and to have come and do, um, to help me in that time. And it was in the middle of the night because we don't know when that time's going to come. And you call 24 hours a day and, you know, the funeral director is going to be there helping you out and giving you the assistance. But that was an amazing thing for me is the first time of being on the other side of the table. Mm -hmm. um, I've arranged at that point, I'd arranged hundreds of funerals. Um, and I had some experience as a child having lost, um, you know, aunts and uncles or grandparents, but I had never, ever done the experience of arranging a funeral. So finally being on the other side of the table and actually being a close family member was an eye opener. And I realized the little things that we do have a big impact. Mm -hmm. Um, but then as time went on, I realized a lot of the things that we do, we don't tell people that we do them. People don't know what we do. Uh, you know, we, we started doing public speaking um, in our community probably around 25 years ago. And it all happened because I was standing in the lobby one day and a lady walked in and said, you know, how long have you been here? So I thought she meant me. And I said, at that point, I've been here like three or four years. And she says, no, no, not you, the funeral home. And I was astounded. I said, well, since 1921. She says, I drive by here every day and I've never seen it before. Interesting. You no? Know? Yeah. So, and this beautiful farm. Well, it used yeah, to be a farmhouse. It used to be a farmhouse. Right? And it's got these beautiful gardens and it's got a nice big sign and all these beautiful birch trees and it's very noticeable. But Do you ever get kids come for Halloween? You know, we don't. <laughs> we don't. Scaredy cats. Scaredy <laughs> the, the very first year that I worked here on Halloween, I think I even had candy in the front lobby and nobody came in. <laughs> Candy from a funeral director on Halloween. What a bunch of. <laughs> and what I, I love too is when I first met you, I shared with you that I was encountering a real challenge with having people uh, speak to me, the, the industry speak to me. But also, I was having uh, trouble having my own parents who, who uh, were what in their early 70s and my dad was in his early 80s. Um, talk to me about some of their plans. And, and I thought I, I don't like the, the um, saying to kill two birds and with one stone, because why do I want to kill two birds in general? But, and I remember having this uh, idea, I'm in Toronto, my parents are up north saying, you know, I'm, I'm do, researching this article, I'm, I'm writing for actually a trade magazine. That's right, I was yep, actually writing, writing for, for a, a funeral trade magazine yep. and still the industry wouldn't speak to me. And I said, you know, mom, if you could take dad and go and, and do this as kind of not so much a mystery shopper, but go do some pre-planning, it would really help me out. And my mom, you know, the joys of, right, a, a mom, she agreed <laughs> and put on her finest. And my dad chose to stay in the garage and <laughs> smoke a cigar. And yep. I won't just use the language he used, but let's just say it was a very adamant no. And yet my mom came back from that funeral, uh, what would you call that, appointment? Appointment, And she yeah. had her checkbook, like as in cash. Like she was, gonna, she was ready to write a check. And she walked out of there empty-handed because the experience was so not a fit for her. It was so cookie cutter. And 
she in the end did say to me with much with a lot of teeth pulling from me I mean I do interview people for a living so but then again with my mom it's just like say it tell me the truth she said I didn't feel like that young man cared about me yeah it's it's amazing and it's not like she just walked in the door that day she had made an appointment to go uh so they were prepared for her Mm -hmm. um you know you know somebody's coming you know what it's about and yet you you couldn't spend the time to listen to them and and figure out exactly what they're what they were looking for or what that and then also the fact that it's not transactional because in the end right uh, emotion is the potion right is yeah. is to say i didn't feel that he cared about me which can sound quite woo woo my my mom is is not woo woo um she, she's irish and she's and she's strong and she's proud ultimately that translates as i don't i didn't trust him I didn't trust him to care. I didn't trust him to take care of my wishes. I didn't trust him to take care of my husband. And that, for me, feeds into my great respect and affection for uh, undertaking. And I, and I know I say undertake because I love saying that. I love saying my undertaker, uh, referring to Brad. And I also know that funeral directors don't like to be called undertaker. So it's, my, it's the way I feel like a cool kid finally, at last, at last. But... Yes, we, we like to be called undertakers in our funeral parlors. <laughs> oh, yeah, in funeral parlors, in funeral parlors. But it was really about my, um, ultimately, we forget that is that when we like someone, when we say we trust someone, that's, in fact, that's an emotion. So here you have an industry, um, and I'm even saying an industry or a business, it seems to take away some of the meaning, which is which is sad. But you have people who are dealing at at such a difficult time with families, and yet there's so much distrust out there where, I mean, I remember one of our um, first blog posts that we worked on with your website was when you offer a family uh, a cup of coffee, you always know that 98% of the time you're going to get a no and, right until you spend they, some time with you and and you've you proved them that you're human and you're not here to sell them something you're you here go. to help them yeah and i think a lot of this the intention behind this podcast too is number one to be having a conversation here you have an undertaker you have a writer um looking at the industry from two very different perspectives that we're not in fact speaking only to the industry right it's not a right no We're this, not this isn't this isn't speak. really just for the industry this is not actually more for the public this is for for everybody else to find out um you know to see the light that we're going to shine in some of the dark places and and let's be honest it's not just going to be the uh, the shannon and brad show for long because we will get some guests so we'll have some more um entertaining and insightful conversations we hope <laughs> You, oh, I just dropped the mic. I thought this was the Shannon show. I, I just thought you were my sidekick monkey. Oh, I, and I, I, I like that too. And then you focusing on some of the distrust that is out there is well-earned. There have been some tremendous errors made. There have been some tremendous hacks out there who've done terrible things. I think the person who decided uh, calling the industry death care uh, he, I'm sure it's a he, he or she, they deserve a medal, you know, <laughs> for like, thanks a lot for putting the nail in mm. that coffin. Yes. And then also too, uh, looking at some of the, the new generation of, of funeral directors coming out that the majority, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 
are on their third career that a lot of the funeral directors coming there's out of, there's quite a few right? that are second or third careers yeah, now and they're in their 40s and i yeah. the, if i remember correctly the majority are women or it's a split it's probably around 60 percent that are women coming in the industry okay. now yeah yep. okay and that's something too I, I look forward to speaking to about a lot of the opportunities the options that are out there to heal i mean i i have attended a number of funeral trade shows and I, I mean that's great for storytelling right I mean t- talking about dying on stage at a funeral director in front of funeral directors look, being able to look out th- into the hallway at caskets open caskets <laughs> but um but one of the things too is that some of the I'm going to say some of the flops the idea of telling family selling to families that having I don't know, a, a, a hunting mural on a custom casket is actually the be all and end all of how to honor your loved one and also how to quote, get over it or how to move forward and really looking at you and your role, not to over exaggerate it and also not to diminish it is that when you talk about healing is that it doesn't only happen at the funeral home that it actually can begin there or that's almost like a middle point and then how that that journey or that you become a traveler and that grief is a very long road and i well it, it is and you know you you walk down the street you walk through the mall and you can't see who's wounded mm-hmm. you know there is no cast there yeah. is no yeah. uh sling and there's not even a, a type of clothing that's worn anymore for the bereaved. And there's a lot of walking wounded amongst yeah. us. Yeah. And and I love that too, uh, being able to speak to a couple of um, historical traditions. I mean, uh, a lot of people know about the Irish wake, which people focus on as being drunk all the time. And then with a, you know, the uh, dead body on, on the dining room table. And at the same time, though, looking at, at the reason for wearing black, I mean, was like what you were saying, you, you would know not to push someone in the shoulder who actually was wearing a cast because they had a broken shoulder. Um, and yet people wearing black used to signify, I can do whatever I want for the next year because I'm wounded and I'm grieving yes. and all bets are off. Yeah. And now it's, it's, it's what, if you're lucky, you get three days off of work possibly and you are to move forward as quickly as possible. And I, I have heard, and I'm, I'm 45, and I have heard some truly shockingly insensitive things from my own peer group about how quickly people should mourn. Uh, I, again, mourning and grieving, we can define some yep. of the differences there and it, as in the weeks ahead. But also this idea of how how there's there's stages to grief which in fact is oh i, I so look forward to debunking that myth because guess <laughs> yeah, what that, that'll people, be one of our fr- yeah, that'll be that one of our fun right? ones that i'm was, sure yeah elizabeth Gubler ross was talking about dying she wasn't talking about grieving but i i look forward to hearing some people right and they all be brave souls i mean look at the fact that you bringing guest speakers onto this show will take some work because some people will panic immediately as soon as they know number one your funeral director and number two you know insert ghoulish laughter now (laughs) come to the funeral home and have a drink with us you know it's (laughs) and you'll never leave you'll cute hotel california that's right Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who we attract 
and w- and where and where they're oh look at that rhyme and where they're at like do you agree like i, I think uh, it will be a special kind of guest i think it's going to be a, a type of guest that most people never hear before um or haven't heard before and i think the topic is going to be something that everyone really wants to know about, mm-hmm. um, but most people are afraid to ask. They want to know about it, and they also don't want it hijacked by um, a corp uh, by a corporate message by marketing, the way some yep. things have. Uh, I know Brad right now is just so wanting to scream into the mic, who has hijacked what? Well, we will refrain. We'll refrain from and, that. And I'm, as I'm looking at my audio engineer, like, pull, pull the pull the plug on the funeral director. <laughs> pull, pull the plug on the undertaker. I think my mic was turned off a little <laughs> while ago, wasn't it? But I do, I do look forward to speaking about some of those, uh, what would you call them, uh, signposts or, or benchmarks, and then also looking also, uh, as, I, as I touched on, some of the mistakes that have been done by the lay people, people like me, and then also by the industry and how to actually bridge that gap. Because in the end, death is not going away. Uh, funeral directors are here to stay, like it or not. And I love one of your lines from one of your articles about, like, you can take away the funeral, but it doesn't take away the grief. No, it certainly doesn't. And, and you know, mm-hmm. even if you hold that grief for a long time, it mm-hmm. it changes who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know the industry when, like, when I was really into the, I I would never say I was an, I was an insider, but like reading the literature that the B two what yeah business to business literature, the internal stuff, talking about these you know the baby boomers, and then you know the 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 rubbing of the hands like there's like there's a big wave of yeah. death coming, a tsunami, <laughs> and they all have money, like just terrible stuff, and yet we're at a point now too is that the people leading. The and I will say leading the industry, like it's it's it really is lonely at the top, shall we say? Like to actually oh. put yourself out there. The, the the unfortunate thing is there's not a lot of leaders of the industry that, as a funeral homeowner, I want to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are marching to the beat of the dollar, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's what to sell, how to sell it. Um, and it's a lot of the corporations are looking for profit today. Um, they're not looking for business in the future. Yeah, wham bam, and and thank and thank and thank you, ma'am. Yep. I remember in, uh, speaking to a funeral director who actually bragged to me that he could. Uh, he picked up a candy and he showed it to me, and he said I could actually make a family believe that this was crucial to a service. Well, and- the good thing that I can say <laughs> is that definitely was not me. <laughs> Because if I picked up a candy, I would probably have eaten it. That's awesome. Well, on that note about, about, about how, uh, this podcast, How to Gain Weight by Brad Jones and <laughs> Shannon Lee, Life's Undertakings, yes, the exercise casket. Uh, we are excited and we also are going to uh, introduce a lot of new characters and then also welcome a lot of questions as well. And in the end, if we, hey, if we can't get a guest, then we'll talk about some of your articles and some of the feedback. We have a lot of things to talk about, Shannon. Yeah, it will be. And, and, and I understand there's a lot of bottles here to recycle as well. So it there's, gets better and better. There's always something to drink. <laughs> well, cheers, Brad. <laughs> cheers, to, Shannon. To the underworld, to life. <laughs>